2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10, going through to chapter 9, verse 5. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work that your eager willingness so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others may be relieved while you are, you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. I thank God who put it into the heart of Titus, the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honour the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. In addition, we are sending with them our brother, who has often provided to us in many ways, that he proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for your brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honour to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for, your pri- for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. There is no need for me to write to you about this service uh, to the saints. For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you in Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them into action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance to finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Here ends the reading.
Let me, um, before I start this message, let me just uh, welcome Heather Dew to the church here. She is a very dear friend of Marie and I. Um, special to us because Paul, her husband, which is no longer with us, but he was one man that would keep me honor, uh, honoring the Lord. He would keep me accountable, and I owe him a great debt, and uh, I will thank him when I see him next. What does, what does integrity in Christ look like? Well, Christian churches are different, yet they are the same. And Christian churches have even varying focuses, and yet it should be the same. And Christians, individuals, are different, yet they ought to also love the same Lord. Leadership also in those churches can be very, very different, and yet should and ought to have the same focus, our Lord Jesus Christ. The central and common trait true Christians always must have is their love for and their need and desire to serve the Lord Jesus. This is also the very thing that sets us apart from the people of the world. They don't like him, they don't love him, they don't, in fact they hate him. And we don't. We love him. Or at least, as Christians, professing to follow him, we should. But let us pray, let us seek a clear understanding of what does all mean to us. Our gracious and loving Father, we come to you that you may open our hearts and our minds to the message Paul is giving us, that we understand the things we need to change, the things we need to do, and how we should live our lives in honouring the Lord Jesus Christ for having given his life for us. We pray this in his name. Amen. We're going to try to cover some areas that are signs of integrity when walking with our Lord. We'll be talking about stewardship, and when we use words like stewardship, we think in terms of the gospel and stewardship. The Lord has called us for the purpose of serving him and has placed his gospel in our hands that we will defend it and share it freely. That's our purpose. This is what we would call stewardship. To be a faithful steward, we are to participate, we are to be committed, we are to consider our proportion of the participation of the church and even our sharing we should be accountable, and of course, we should love others. Stewardship with integrity calls for participation that is voluntary. A few years ago, when we were told by Paul, in a few verses ago, we were told by Paul that I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And this in itself makes being a church and being a congregation possibly one of the difficult things we have to deal with. Extremely, extremely few of any congregation are in fact paid to work. But obviously we are also not slaves, other than of course to Jesus Christ. Everything being done needs to be done out of a willing heart and with great joy for serving the Lord. In verse 10 it tells us, And hear my advice about what is best for you in this matter. 
Last year you were the first not only to give but also to have the desire to do so. If any of us grasp the deep truth that verse 9 told us about the price that Lord Jesus Christ had to pay to bring us back to him, then we ought to have a much deeper desire to serve the Lord and each other and with joy. And we should also be giving generously both of our time, but also, of course, out of our wealth or even maybe even a hardship. I remember once um, working in a different church. Uh, the treasurer had, at some stage, had forgotten or not completed the end-of-year books uh, for the auditing. But he stood before the congregational meeting and he informed them that the auditor had failed to do the audit for this year. Uh, which was true, of course, because he hadn't. But this guy also failed to inform the church of the fact that he actually hadn't even given the books to the auditor in the first place. When confronted, which he was, with that falsehood in a public place, he simply retorted, oh, this is all voluntary done anyway, so I'll just do it in my time. And I know what you're sitting there thinking right now. Hmm. For that reason alone, he should have been even more diligent because he's actually working for the Lord. No doubt. We read that in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human beings. He had promised that he would do the work and so his desire should have been matched to his commitment but had failed. As I said, being a church can be difficult. And that means also stewardship with integrity calls for faithfulness and a complete commitment as we work together. We all work with people either in a professional or in other work sense and there's people you know that you would go to them and you would ask them to do a task and you know and trust them that you can actually walk away knowing they will complete the task. There are, however, maybe more of those types of people that we walk up to and we ask them to do something and we know in our hearts we have to come back and back and back and check because we don't have that same confidence that they will actually do what they're being asked to do. We wonder sometimes when someone says they will do something for the church being the Jesus Christ and yet time goes by and very little has been done if anything and then we are left wondering why. I'm not saying that every promise that is made is made in the public or within the church. Sometimes promises as we know are made in our prayers making our commitments in the name of Jesus. And then not to follow through with it, the promises that we make to God in our prayers, God then deals with that situation in his own way, and we know that. But people like you and I, we are not that easy going as what God may be, or even forgiving. But it saddens us when someone lets us down, and maybe even more so when we know a brother and sister has dishonoured a promise they made to the Lord as they confessed their faith. We're not frustrated or sad, as it were, because they had let us down. 
but maybe for the fact that they have this lack of commitment to the Lord Jesus that laid down his life for them. It's not easy being part of that congregation where this happens. Stewardship with integrity also calls for participation proportionate to what you have. And when we say to what you have, we would be uh, we would be speaking about your abilities. We would be speaking about your skill levels, maybe your Bible knowledge, or even again your wealth or lack thereof. Not one area is, in fact, of more importance than any other. If I have no job and I have no income, well, maybe then I have some time to spare because I'm not going to work. So I can help out with the church and maybe be part of the team that looks after other people in the church. That way of giving too. And if you're willing to accept that it is God that has called us together as a congregation, then also we know that he is all-knowing and he calls us according to how he gifts us. That way we work together as a body of Christ. As an example, I for a long time thought it would be nice if God sent us in this church, would send us some people with musical gifts. And he had already done so. I just didn't know, because I hadn't found out. Jesus calls people, and he gifts them accordingly for the work that he has set there for us. And we need to trust him that we have all the things we need to do the work he has called us to do. He says in verse 11, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So we need to use our gifts according to how he has given them to us. That is honouring your promise. And stewardship with integrity therefore also calls for sharing your God-given gifts with others. In verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved when you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality at the present time. Your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. The Bible is never calling for us to give for the purpose of making sure everybody has an equal amount of whatever it is we talk about. When Paul speaks of equality, it's about having equal opportunity that we may serve the Lord. It is about providing for our brothers and sisters' need and not their greed. Jesus was not a Marxist, neither was he a social justice warrior that the world wants us to be. Jesus is not about having or not having Everything about Jesus is about salvation. It's about eternity. Jesus is the gift you have been given and he wants you to share him with those around you. And therefore it's not easy being a follower of Jesus because it places a responsibility right on us. And stewardship with integrity calls for an accountability. Verse 3 in chapter 9, But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, 
but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. In this context, accountability takes a long life view. Let's not worry too much about what the Macedonians may think of us if they were to come here for a visit. Yes, of course, it will be much better if they do come and we are doing and seen to do what is right and that we have a loving and united congregation here at Woodford. But seriously, what if we have a visitor that arrives unexpectedly, unannounced, maybe someone like Jesus? As the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians, For you know very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Abraham didn't understand it was Jesus standing before him. And it'll take probably a few seconds or minutes for us to realize that he has been here. And the Apostle Peter wants us to live out our faith for God. In 1 Peter he writes, Live such good life among the pagans that... Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The point's this. No matter what, whether we like it or not, we will be accountable for our lives or the way we live our lives and how we have responded to his call on you. For our lives and our promises that we made, it's not a question of if, but it is a question of when. Accountability heightens our responsibility, in fact. Living your life for Christ isn't going to be easy, but it's going to be joyful. And stewardship with integrity will also call for a deep and true love for the Lord. We have reached the very heart, indeed, of this message today. It's about giving. Everything we do in terms of giving of ourselves, our wealth or hardship, must be brought out of a heart the deeply in love, deeply in love and true love of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it has to start. That's where it has to finish. And Paul puts it this way. I thank God who put into the hearts of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed an appeal, but he's coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. To serve the Lord with integrity, we must simply love him with all our heart. And if we do so, then we will also love each other. Because he says in John 13, he says, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That means giving of yourself. That is giving like Jesus gave of himself. In other words, you can't tell me you love Jesus and not love his people. To not love his people is to make a lie out of your professed love for him. Titus has had this love placed in his heart by God and so he wants and desires to care for his people. He is travelling to Corinthians to help them understand, to teach them and finish the work that Paul started. 
In verse 21, For we are make, taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. When Paul uses such language, he's telling us that our lives should be and must be a visible evidence of our willingness to be accountable and display our love for each other through Jesus Christ. To love Jesus is to want to share him, is to want to defend him. Knowing all this and understanding it all should make us squirm when we see our people walk and talk to faith in church but live out their lives very, very differently on a social media or in the streets. It is a problem today. Your walk with Jesus is always a whole-of-life commitment that speaks, that will speak about your integrity. In verse 23, As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the church and an honour to Christ. Paul often expresses his trust in Titus and Timothy and the fact that he knows Titus will take the talk will talk the talk and he will walk the walk. No matter if Paul is near or far. It's called self-discipline. What would Paul be able to say about you? Will he have an opportunity, do you think, if he was here today? Would he say, as for Carl, he's my partner and fellow worker among you? Would he even say that about me? Would he say it about you? This is not really a question that I could answer about me, but you can. You can answer that question. You can tell if I walk my talk. But this whole thing is about giving of ourselves. is isn't just about our leaders. It's about each and every one of us, and we are one in Christ. He was born as a man, he died on a cross as a man to take our sins away and he was raised to life eternal that we may live in him, that we may respond to his love. We are, as Paul says, we are representative of his church. We are representative of Jesus Christ and we are to honour him with all of our lives. See, integrity isn't just a word. It is, for a Christian, a way of life. We can only pray and hope that he indeed will bless you with a deep love of all that you read in his Bible. That when we read the verse 9 in chapter 6 about what he had to pay and suffer for us to bring us back to him, then that will change who we are. May he indeed give you that desire and commitment and integrity. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we come to you to thank you for what Paul has given us that you gave him. We thank you for the instruction that comes with it, an understanding of we need to have the integrity that when the world sees us, they see your son. When they see how we treat each other, they again see your son, Lord. We just pray that through the guiding of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, we will live a better life tomorrow than we did today.
that it will be all for the love of your Son and honouring of him. These things we pray in his name. Amen.